Welcome to Macro Peace Theater. I'm your host, Alistair Cook. Actually, it's Emil Kalinowski, and I'm still working on my Alistair Cook voice, but that's not important. What's important is that we're going to be reading Jeff Snyder, the head of global research for Alhambra Investments, and the piece that we're going to be reading is a blog post at the Alhambra Investments po- uh, blog post. It was posted on the 5th of October, and it is called Chip Shortages, Crude Boiling, Fed Explosion, and No Inflation. Very, very interesting observation that Mr. Jeff Snyder brings to us here. He identifies a divergence between energy prices and metals and mineral prices that we have observed several times before that we may be observing again. Energy up, but metals and minerals have already turned the other way. An integrated circuit is a set of electronic circuits put together on one small semiconductor medium. We call this thing a chip, and it is essential for so much of what we do in the modern computerized digital world. Manufacturers can even produce cars without them. It stands to reason, then, that any shortfall or hitch in the availability of ICs could be a huge economic problem with systemic implications. Thus, when some trade magazine, which is closely following the physical fundamentals of this one technology component, warns of how supplier times for more than one type of integrated circuit have doubled, that is, it is taking twice as long to receive chips after they're ordered, it sets off alarm bells. These kind of inflation alarms were positively deafening in September. The supply situation is even more critical for standard logic ICs and power management discretes such as low-voltage MOSFETs and tantalum capacitors, which are now experiencing shortages and are effectively on allocation status, meaning suppliers are unable to respond to unforecasted demand. For standard logic ICs, allocation is continuing for the fourth month and is likely to persist until the end of the third quarter. The situation so stretched, it spills over into other forms of indispensable technology, like for LED makers who didn't recognize the limited capacities of key material suppliers before fixing their LED TV panel shipment targets. In other words, they got way ahead of themselves, seeing huge profits from what they were told would always be rising demand, apparently without stopping first to consider whether or not the commodity space would be able to provide the necessary material inputs. In particular, PMMA and PET materials are in significant shortage. PMMA and PET suppliers are slowly expanding capacity since they need time to add new plants and face financial limitations. Put these alongside rapidly rebounding crude oil, the Fed's QE money printing, and the public understandably braces itself while conditioning its anger for only Great Inflation 2.0. What chance massive money printing coupled to a serious supply shock goes any other way. This year has been all sorts of trouble for chip shortages and tech problems for sure. But those quotes above 
are not contained within some article written in September 2021, rather, September 2010. What took place back more than a decade ago really does sound weirdly familiar, even though we're being led to believe what's going on this year has never happened before in human history. Suppliers then, too, were gutted by a huge global recession, so that when demand began to rebound from the lows, it did so much faster than supply could. This quite naturally pushed up prices for producers and consumers alike, small e, organic economics. And it wasn't just tech stuff in 2010. Here's the BLS, Bureau of Labor Statistics, in February 2011, warning about agriculture inflation too. While this rise was part of a broad commodities rally through the year, fears of a shortage of supply and strong global demand underpinned the surge in price. During these kind of periods, rebounds from low troughs, the demand part of the price-commodity inflation equation, is always assumed to be constant. It'll be awesome for a very long time, as in full recovery. No need to worry about it, especially given so much government stimulus. Instead, all focus is trained exclusively on supply, which only feeds inflation fears because from clickbait to entrenched ideology, we are all conditioned to fear only rising prices. Yet, it is deflationary conditions which are by far the greatest of monetary evils. Restrained supply, as in 2010 and 2011, is extrapolated far, far into the future, but always along with surefire recovery in demand. February 2011, as it turned out, this would prove to be a pivotal month, if for very different reasons. All of a sudden, demand began to wane well short of any sort of full recovery. False dawn, on the contrary. No inflation when commodity prices in particular have been shooting up through the roof, especially for those metals and minerals, thereafter, from February 2011, they went an entirely different way. Even as shouts of inflation and supply shortages would continue long after this inflection had been passed. One reason why was the difference between more basic commodities like metals and the typical star of the commodity markets, oil, where the former group peaked around mid-February of 2011, the energy, kept, the energy segment kept up, at least its inflation anecdote, all the way into March 2012, aside from a minor dip. This is a good part of what makes these deflationary turns so difficult for the public to identify and, more importantly, comprehend. Led to believe a rising dollar is somehow related to strong economic fundamentals in the U.S., and then high oil prices, which go along with that misconception, as well as continue to create the impression of imminent, perhaps out-of-control inflation, we are lulled into looking at the world in the wrong way. The same way, surprise, which intends to make central bankers and economists appear successful and effective. As I always write and say, it's not what you see or told to focus on that often matters most, 
Mostly this advice applies to bank reserves and the Fed's balance sheet versus shadow euro-dollar money conditions. Expanding on that, however, it does, too, in this case of commodities where oil is intentionally placed right upon center stage, even though at best it is a lagging indicator. See the summer of 2008. To really drive home this difference, we need only fast forward to the next inflation hysteria period, which had been deliberately set up late in 2017 and then kept up nearly all the way through 2018. Even though, from practically the outset of 2018, what you couldn't see was tearing the inflationary narrative to shreds pretty much the entire way. Metals and energy prices had peaked at the start. General non-energy commodities followed very quickly as the dollar rose more substantially. And all the while, the media highlighted only WTI and Brent. This mainstream view got its usual black-colored support drowning out the vast yet unknown unappreciated and misidentified market and data evidence which had already turned dead against it. Oil prices again lagged the rollover by quite a few months. It wasn't until October and really November 2018 when energy finally succumbed to the growing and serious dollar shortage worldwide, trailing everything else except witless Jay Powell's Fed which embarrassingly conducted one final rate hike that December, still convinced and trying to convince the public of the already dead inflation story. As noted yesterday, some commodities even before this summer have gone soft, despite supply shortages that are, admittedly, much deeper and more problematic than they had been in 2009 and 10. While that may be the case, What's the same this time compared to that time is such little appreciation for the very real potential demand that comes up well short for the fifth time, regardless of supply factors. Also, like those prior periods, especially 2018, energy prices are going in the opposite direction to further obscure the economic picture, especially outside the U.S., Oil is still the one commodity being thrown around as presumptively representative of everything, only starting with inflation, even as these others yet again take another direction. Rather than just presuming robust demand, it has repeatedly disappointed well short of even diminished expectations, and no one ever offers a compelling explanation for why, and why all those past inflation promises weren't worth the oil they were written with. They just point to crude and the Fed and claimed, well, this time we'll definitely, positively, 100% guaranteed be different. Chip shortages, the crucial nature of surging oil, Fed balance sheet overdose, each declared a certainty in what seems to lead to only inflationary possibilities. We've seen a lot of those things before, and even more of them right now. But again, it's what you don't that ultimately determines our economic fate. In that blindness, once again, right in front of you. Mr. Snyder here has a very interesting thesis. 
and indeed it does bear out. He focuses on euro dollar number two, the European sovereign debt crisis, and euro dollar number four as, I don't know, what's the name for that thing? I don't know, the the deglobalization shocks, right? That started with the trade wars and then, and then it ended with the COVID. So deglobalization shocks. He focuses on, the, on those in offhanded comment here. He just mentions 2008. He doesn't mention the third euro dollar crisis, which was the one that focused on emerging markets, emerging market currencies and China's foreign exchange reserves. But in that case as well, so in all four of our global or regional dollar shortages, I can see, and Jeff here points out, that the energy markets continue to gain value while the metal markets were losing value heading into some sort of disorder. And that's what he's saying we're seeing here already. This time around, non-energy metals and minerals have peaked in May. You know, they started turning down. But energy prices continue to accelerate. So we think, all right, everything's fine. Inflationary outcome, global economy booming. Maybe not. Well, I hope you enjoyed this particular reading. You can find Jeff at the Alhambra Investments blog on Twitter at Jeff Snyder underscore AIP. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.